Welcome to Game Over Montreal, everyone. That was a way more exciting and intense game than I believe anyone expected it to be. And we're going to jump right into it. I've got two awesome guests with me today. My buddy and old uh, writing partner, I will say, from Habs Eyes on the Prize, Scott Matla, and the Eric Young from Impact Wrestling. How's it going, boys? It's yes. it, It's going. <laughs> <laughs> It, great night for me. I, I mean, you guys both have red shirts on. I'm wearing the Predators uh, winter classic jersey I got last oh, year, nice. or uh, I guess the year before that. I'm completely erased last year from my memory. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, a really cool game. I mean, really exciting game. I didn't think that Montreal was going to uh, put up that much of a fight. I kind of wish they didn't. It would be better for my heart. <laughs> Nashville is the only team that I really, really support. I live here in the city and uh, – do a bunch of stuff with the team, but it was a fun game, man. A little bit of everything. So, Eric, are you going to get the new jersey that they released this week? I already ordered it. Yep. Oh no, no, you <laughs> no. didn't. Oh, it's so no. bad. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh no, I love it. You're yeah. going to get the off-center letter too. Like it's going to yeah, be on your I shoulder. Love, <laughs> I love. I love the whole thing. I'm an off-center kind of person, so that's even <laughs> even better that way. Uh, I mean, the reality is, is like every like, what do you want? Like, what? Everyone just wants to be mad and outraged about everything. Like it, it wouldn't matter what they did. If they made a Jersey that looks similar to their Jersey, they'd be mad that it looks similar to the Jersey. If they made a one that's even crazier than that and look like the crazy LSD Cochina Jersey, then everyone would be mad about that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what people want, man. It's, it's a one-off. They'll probably wear it once, maybe twice. It's supposed to be singular. The Smashville thing I think is neat. It's like, it, it, you know, people say that just as much as Smashville in the hockey community. Uh, I ordered it right away. And, uh, I paid and I could get them for free. I still pay. <laughs> I mean, the Preds must love that. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I got to I got to say, me. it's like the, the fact that the letters aren't the same size and neither of the words are centered. I'm like, just twitching a little bit looking at it. <laughs> I do feel like that is where the pushback, like it's a, a little bit. My, uh, my OCD was like, oh, what is, what is going on? And it's ah. Screw it. And I scanned the code on the TV and just paid for it. Yeah. I feel now like I have to take it back and get somebody's name on it. I'm going to probably get Yakov trending because he's my favorite player. Yeah. I mean, I think, man, there's so many guys on Nashville who stood out tonight. Uh, it was great to see the, it was a Fors- Forsberg got the overtime winner, right? Overtime. He was yeah. buzzing all game long. Like he, he earned he, that. He was great. Been buzzing all year other than when he was hurt. And I think people want to forget, like, look, man, this is, he's a human being and this is his contract year. I mean, like, I mean, what do you expect? The guy wants to make money. I mean, this is how it's done. So, uh, I mean, it comes as no surprise to me. Uh, and in fantasy hockey, I moved him way up my rankings. Um, I mean, not crazy. I mean, he still plays here. I mean, he still, you know, won't probably score more than 30, 35 goals, but still he's a really, really good player, man. Fun to watch. Yeah. And we we will get to the Canadians. I promise. We're going to talk a lot about the Canadians in this show. It's a Canadian show. But I did want to just ask like Eric uh, about the Predators because they were a team that had like very low expectations coming into this season. And all of a sudden they're like kind of fun. Soros is spectacular, just like last year. And they're looking at making a playoff push. What's the feeling like in Nashville right now? Yeah, I think like what you said is like 
the feeling was really low. And I'm like, I, which look, I, I'm a fairly optimistic person anyways. I, I love all hockey. Um, me and Chris Meany, we do a show on FTN. We, we, we worked at the athletic together. We've done a bunch of shows together. We did a show for Pat Mayo last year. Um, it, it, I, my nickname is the fantasy or the hockey psycho. I, I'll watch probably 300 games this year. I, that's, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, I might not be married next year, but that's, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that you know, I travel a lot for work, I mean, not as much in the last year, but, but, you know, technology has made it where like, I've definitely put on Instagram, like pictures of me in Scotland. I set my alarm and I wake up at four and I'm doing cardio at the crappy motel gym, watching a Preds game. Cause that's when it airs. So uh, I feel for European hockey fans uh, that follow the NHL. Cause there's tons of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the expectations were low, but I mean, I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to set the world on fire, but I was like, this is scra- going to be a scrappy team. I, I thought the same thing. Uh, like I said earlier about Forsberg, this is the contract year for him and whether he's here or he's somewhere else, this is how NHL players get paid, you know, and he needs to have a big year and it can't, it comes down to what is Johansson going to do and what is Duchesne going to do? And uh, a buddy of mine, crazy Charlie Sonia here, he's got a Predneck Nation. Uh, it's a local Pred show that he does out of his garage. It's a really cool setup. And he's a he's a complete psycho like me, knows everything about the Predators. Duchesne is on record, is on pace to break every scoring record ever for this franchise uh, if he keeps up his pace. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was reading Twitter like I was and <laughs> saw all the, all the hate, all the hate and all the memes. And I mean, he was not an $8 million player last year or the year before that, but he certainly is this year. And I, and I honestly think, you know, him and Johansson, you know, being motivated to prove people wrong has got a lot to do with it. And I mean, the reality is, is we all know this is uh, show me a good goaltender. I'll show you a good coach and a good team. And Saros since March of last year has been on believable and he proved me wrong i just i i said look it's mathematics he's too short you know fourth line guys can shoot the puck at 100 miles an hour everyone can skate everyone can play now uh and the reality is is it comes down to geometry and he's just too damn short and he's making me look like an idiot and i'm happy about that yeah, he's making a lot of people look like idiots i, I think everyone who is used to seeing pecorino six foot five sitting in that net it's just a big yeah. difference to see saros in there but he's so mobile and such a smart goaltender that He's just, he's always there. You know, yeah. uh, he had a, a, a yeah. good game tonight. I don't know. He wasn't the best goaltender in the game tonight, but he also didn't have no. to be. He was not under the same amount of pressure that Jake Allen was. And we've got to shout out to Jake Allen, who allowed the fourth goal tonight. And, you know, the save percentage doesn't look spectacular because of that. But I think we can all say, like, Jake Allen is the reason this game went to overtime. 100%. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think it was, what was it, 40 45 to 24 was the, the shots in the end. I, I mean, somewhere in there, that's the Predators. They don't outshoot anybody. I mean, I, I watch <laughs> any, anybody like, I mean, there could be games where, you know, it's the third period and they have 16 shots on that. That's, that's a regular occurrence. Um, a lot of power plays uh, tonight. So that, you know, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, Montreal's penalty kill is bad. Nashville's power play isn't good, but, but I mean, just that amount of pressure and playing defense like that and chasing guys around, it's exhausting. I I can't believe some of the saves Allen made tonight. He was, he's kicking all over the place and the puck's just not going in. And it's, 
I, I said on Twitter, he signed a new co- cheaper contract this year. And it's insane how underpaid he is compared to his value for this team here. And it's, he's not carry price, but he's doing his best impression. Most nights carrying this team to even a slightly respectable scoreline when he can. Yeah, I half expected yeah, him to take off his mask at the end of this one and it to be Price under there. It was, like, he was so controlled. <laughs> like, his battle level tonight was unbelievable. There were so many net front scrambles where you look and, like, the Predators are the ones on the puck every single time. And he's just battling through, getting, like, the edge of a glove out there or, like, just his skate, something to put the puck just wide of the net. And I was just so impressed with that battle level because Allen, he can play, like, well like this usually not really sustained but since he's come back from injury there he had the one game where he was really brutal and then since then the lot these are now four straight games i think he's been really really strong and giving them canadians chances in games that they don't honestly deserve and like i i mentioned it at uh on on twitter like the last stretch of the game but the first stretch of the game i believe the shots were nine to one when uh, nashville scored and then the Canadians kind of pushed back a little bit and it was even ish play. And in the middle of the second period, it was like uh, 19 to 18 for the predators. And then by the end of the third period, it was like 42 to 20. So like Allen had a lot of work to do. And like, I mean, credit to guys on the Canadians for like clearing pucks and stuff. But if that's all you can really manage defensively, it's still not a good scene. I'd like to know where the defensive, like, we're going to clear the net and make it easy for our goalie guys are because, uh, yeah, um, I'm not seeing it so far. And like Alexander Romanov's, you know, a young guy and he's still learning as he goes. Chris Weidman's known for his offense, but isn't this what like David Savard and Ben Sherrod are supposed to be good at? Like, yeah, we're going to make it easy on our goalie by pushing guys into them or ourselves into them. And it's like, Stop that. Let let Jake Allen do his thing. You actually defend something, anything. I'm begging you. Yeah, it's it's been rough, unfortunately, for the Canadians. I mean, like there's let, let's point out some positives aside from Allen, because I think there were a few in this game. Uh, Cole Caulfield. I thought he was one of the few guys right from the drop of the first puck. I thought he had some zip in his game tonight and he's starting to come together a little bit. I think his playmaking has really come along. The last couple of games here, the play that he made for the Kulak goal was really, really indicative of what he's capable of doing at the NHL level, finding that gap, finding the trailer off the rush, you know, uh, against the grain pass. It, it was just such a smart play instead of forcing it through to the middle of the ice to the streaking forward who was already covered. It's the kind of creativity that the Canadians have struggled to find for years. But no Cole Caulfield on the five on three. Yeah, it's that's puzzling to me. I mean, I, I I don't I don't follow Montreal like you guys do, but like I said, I, I am uh a psycho when it comes to this stuff. I watch all teams, I watch as many games as I can. Uh I was heavily invested in Montreal's deep playoff run last year. Uh Chris Meany, uh, the guy I do the show with, is a diehard, diehard Montreal fan. We actually uh, saw a game uh, just before, uh, two seasons ago, before COVID shut down the season, we saw one of the last games played, Nashville and Montreal, in the Bell Center. Uh, I got us tickets, and 
me and my wife and him and his wife were there and we got to go down and meet some of the players. He was starry eyed. It was pretty, pretty cute to watch. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it, they, I just don't understand. I mean, he's obviously the, other than Suzuki, he's their best offensive player. When he's got the puck on his stick, it feels like there's energy and there's something's going to happen. It doesn't always happen because that's hockey, but he's a really exciting player. He's going to be good for years. I think it was Eric Engels who put on Twitter. He's like, you have Mike Hoffman and you have Cole Caulfield. Put them across from each other and put someone in the middle and just make it work. And it's like, it can't be that simple, right? But it is like one guy who shoots the puck really well, other guy who shoots the puck really well. Why not play them at the same time? And it's, it's been mind numbing. But like you said, Caulfield's got that ability. We noticed it in the playoffs. And when he was playing in the AHL, when he starts to load up that shot, you can kind of feel the crowd kind of take that breath. And we haven't seen it as much this year, but he's been very good in other aspects. He's creative. And that's what this Canadian's offense has been lacking is that kind of vision. Like Nick Suzuki has it. Drouin has it from time to time. And Caulfield's pass to Kulak tonight was just that. How many Canadians forwards would go back across their body to a trailing defenseman instead of just taking it behind the net there? And I'm hoping with that kind of creativity and that confidence to make plays like that, we're going to see the points and the goals start to pile up here for him. And if the power play ever works properly, it, who's to say he's not going to start piling him in the back of the net before too long. Yeah. I think you could see the confidence starting to come there. And he had, I think it was, I don't know if he got a one timer off or if he double clutched it, but he was robbed by Saros on, I think the first power play for, for the Canadians of the game. Yeah. And that like you can see the confidence is coming there for Caulfield that he's trying to do different things and he's getting a shot off uh, earlier in the season. I think he was having trouble like corralling the puck and getting the shots where he wanted them to. He He's still going to have to get a little bit better at that. He's a little bit too far out from the net, I think, from from my perspective. But you can see that there's progress being made, you know, and the dynamic play that he's able, capable of uh, bringing to the table is just something the Canadians don't really have in spades. Uh, I was going to mention something else here about Caulfield, but let's talk about uh, Suzuki finally getting off the schneid as well. He's now four game pointless streak over another guy when he's confident goes to the net and shoots. Right. And that's exactly what they want to see from him. He was smart enough on his shot that he kind of loaded up and then paused and waited for the defenseman to move just enough. And then he had his shooting lane. I don't know how many times we've seen on the power play that it's like, oh, they've got a lane and they don't wait a split second and it's right into someone's shin pads and it's out of the zone and we're doing this all again. Suzuki's smart enough. He sees that. He, like Caulfield does, he sees the game better than other players do. And he shot it right from his office. He loves that right face-off circle. He loves to walk in, load up that wrist shot, and go. And I'm and like Caulfield getting that assist, it's hopefully indicative. When he heated up a few weeks ago, he had a point in what? He had nine points in like eight games or something like that or something crazy. He's capable of doing crazy, crazy things with the puck on his stick, not just goal scoring, but playmaking. And power play runs through him right now if he gets going the power play should get going and everything else should kind of at least make games look closer than they are even if they're losing at least i would hope so and he can scare opposing defenses which is always nice when he's on he's on and he's unstoppable sometimes yeah in a lot of ways i think the canadians need somebody to be what matt deshane has been for the predators this season where a guy that can take you into games that you're out of 
right? That out of nowhere, yeah. you think you got nothing going, and then all of a sudden, oh, this guy's got a goal. He's got two goals. You know, like the last game between the Canadians and Preds, Deshane had people scared that that game was going to get tied up. You know, with the way that the Canadians have blown leads this year, or like just allowed goals in bunches. When he got that third goal, I was like, oh, my God, is this going to be a loss? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, are we really going to go into this show and be like, hey, it was because I tweeted after the second period. I was like, it's going to be a win tonight. I was like, maybe not. They need somebody to be that guy. And obviously, Caulfield is the best chance. And Suzuki is right there with him. But they, they need someone to develop to that point. And uh, maybe the focus on development from the new GM is a good start. I mean, I would hope so. I mean, they have some talented pieces. Yes, alone in, in the AHL has tantalizing tools. He's fast. He's got that really fun puck on a string mentality, and he can rip the puck. But if they put him in Montreal right now, he'd be lost because there's no structure and flow into that. Let him season a little bit, and they'll get him there. And he's going to be a ton of fun watching him play. And then you have Brendan Gallagher Jr., a guy like Rafael Harvey-Pinard, who can be – I don't want to say a like a net front guy, but you know that that dirty areas kind of player that every team needs to find success. There's opportunities there for a lot of guys, especially with the new tenure coming in. A lot of players and prospects can be trying to get noticed right now, and this is their chance for that. And Gordon got a, a little bit of a look at that this week with the Rocket. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what changes come down the pipeline in terms of development next. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually one thing that I did like about this game, because there's a lot of criticism that I'm throwing at the coach here, which for good reason. <laughs> and for all we know, it wasn't the coach's idea. But the fact that it happened twice to me says the coaching staff is pushing this idea in the overtime twice on a defensive zone face off. The Canadians just kind of like smack the puck up the ice and immediately off the face off their far winger just bolted up and ended up with a breakaway. Didn't end up paying off, but I absolutely love that play for a team that's really struggled in overtime and doesn't have a lot of forwards with like breakneck speed. That is a really interesting thing. And the fact that Nashville got caught by it twice, like I think a lot of teams could get caught by that. It's obviously only applicable to three on three, but that's a great little play. I think most teams don't do it because they're terrified of giving up control of the puck, right? It's like, they don't want to knock it forward like that on the off chance that they get caught. And, and then now the other team has the puck. I, I feel like Montreal controlled a lot of the overtime, you know, uh, I don't, I couldn't say that about the rest of the game. I mean, it was mostly controlled by Nashville, yes. but the overtime, you know, they would get it. Even Hoffman came down and he shot it. And I was like, okay, we'll get, they'll get it back. And I don't know who came up the boards on the wing, but he retrieved it and they, and they held on to it uh, twice. They, they shot it all the way back to Jake Allen, which I, I think, you know, like you have to re three on three is not the same as five on five. I mean, I'm not saying anything, you know, prolific you mean but i mean just the reality is is that's that's a real thing you see it people uh you know teams do it in soccer when, when they're changing shape or or they're trying to move it down an opposite opposite wing they'll kick it back to the goalie he'll come all the way out of his crease and play it obviously you know with the goalie equipment on and the stick like and, and i don't know if jake allen is a great puck handler but by scrambling like that and passing it back to them they kept possession and i think like the, the obvious truth is three on three. It's all about possession, but I did like that play uh, made my heart beat a little bit. Like I'm not living <laughs> and dying with the Prince, the Prince winning and losing. 
but I wanted to come in on, uh, come on this show and, and uh, with a Preds win. And I did. So <laughs> uh, it's good. I think my favorite part about that is I'm imagining it with one of the, I like not that Mike Hoffman is a slow person, but you know, there's Paul Byron who might be one of the fastest really straight fast. line skaters in the NHL, yeah. Josh Anderson, who is a rocket on skates there that if this is a play that's going to work and they have it drawn up when those guys are healthy, not that I'm saying, Hey, play for overtime and then do this one play and hope you win kind of thing. But like, yeah. I can see it working. No, not, there's not a lot of people when Josh Anderson's going that are keeping up to him at this point and let alone slowing 230 pound guy down like that. So the creativity was, was quite nice from that. It's like Andrew said, they don't have game breakers all around, but if they can do play to their strengths on things like that, why not do it? You you caught the Preds sleeping twice in the same overtime. Who's to say other teams are going to remember that too in the future? Yeah. And I think a little bit smarter or more selfish plays in this game, the Canadians might've had a better chance to really shock the Predators because in that second period when the Preds were pushing twice, they caught them on pretty dangerous looking two on ones. And like, it was very, very clear that the Preds were playing the pass both times and both times the Canadians forwards or buck carriers were like, pass. <laughs> like, no, no, no. You, you take this. Yeah, you, you take you it. Try now. this. I don't, I, I could never shoot like two Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it was it was heartbreaking. I'm watching Paling break down the wing. I'm like, yes, you scored two goals in 37 seconds against this team. What do you know? No, in slow motion, I can just feel my heart dropping into my chest again. It's like, don't do this to me. Come on. Eric's loving it, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was yeah, it was a, it was a great game. Right. Uh, uh, Nick Coonan's birthday. Uh, I don't imagine you guys are aware of that, but it was his birthday. Uh, Gordy Howe hat trick. Uh, I'm totally, I'm totally into that um, fight assist a goal. I mean, the truth is, is there was times where Nick uh, or Luke Cunning was the best player on the ice. The the second goal was a great give and go with him and Ekholm. That play doesn't happen without Kunin. And the third goal w- was all him again after the fight. He went to the bench. The next time on the ice, he got in on the forecheck and turned that puck over. And that goal. I mean, there's not even a chance for it to be in that zone. Like, I mean, that that's all him. And, you know, players like that are uh, that kind of stuff, those kind of plays, the give and goes and the forecheck that doesn't show up, uh, you know, on a stat sheet or to a, a, an average hockey fan doesn't notice that thing. But but I noticed it. I, I mean, I really appreciate that kind of play. And he's been like that since he came over from Minnesota, man. He's a great player, uh, really aggressive on the forecheck. And, and they need guys like that because they don't have a ton of speed. Uh, on the Predators either after they lost Arvidsson. There's not a ton of guys that are fleet of foot. Tolvin getting a goal. Uh, they, they Chris Mason gave some crazy stat. I want to say it was his first first goal in 68 shots on net. Like, I mean, that's that's incredible. Like, that's, that's an insane. Like, he had one goal, and he's known as the shooter. He's still playing on the power play. Uh, he, he's still playing on the second line and coach Hines said, look, I mean, he's just going to keep playing. He's not scoring and he's not, you know, piling up points, but he's doing everything else. Right. And, and he's actually a really physical player. Uh, I've got him in a ton of my fantasy teams cause he hits too. So he touches a bunch of categories in fantasy hockey. Uh, obviously not the score sheet a lot this year, but I think now, I mean, you guys have seen this. I've seen this a million times the guys start gripping their stick and squeezing it and thinking too much. And then one goes in and then the floodgates open. I mean, Phil Kessel's been like this for years. Uh, they used to have a guy here, Craig Smith, he plays in Boston now. Like there's times where he'll go five or six games and look like the best player in the NHL. 
that's hyperbole, but I mean, <laughs> you know, he'll look like this guy that's just unstoppable. And then he'll go 10 games where you won't even notice that he's on the ice. Uh, I don't think Tolvin's going to be that. I think he's going to be a pretty reliable player for the Preds for a long time. And he can, I mean, just, he's got a world, world-class, world-class release of the puck. Yeah. So you're saying that you have a coach that had a young expected to be high level goal scorer who wasn't scoring goals but he just stuck by him and kept giving him minutes. Yep. What? No, you can't People, do that. You're you not allowed to do that. That's not allowed. <laughs> No, you send him to the AHL and call up the dude with long hair who punches people in the face instead. Like, come on. Yeah, those are good, the rules, right? Excellent replacement. Excellent I, I love Michael Pizzetta for what it's worth, but like I, I, yep. that transaction happened. And I remember going, I thought th- I was joking when I said this and they actually <laughs> did it. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Apologies, oh. by the way, if my voice sounds terrible or, or if I start coughing, I am a little bit under the weather. So whenever I start talking for a little bit and don't drink. I start coughing, but uh, yeah, I should actually say while we're while we're here that uh, you should check out the SDPN app and check out the merch store, check out the game over clothes, and of course the game over mug because it's good shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I I gotta ask Eric because after watching this team, obviously they're not the same team. Go to the Stanley Cup final last year. In your professional opinion, the way this season has started, is this a work? I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think it's a work. I think hockey may be the only sport where that doesn't happen. Uh, as a professional wrestler, I'm supposed to say that all sports are fake, and the only thing <laughs> real on television is professional wrestling. Uh, I've got a lot of things I could back that up with. Uh, we don't need to get into that. This is not that long of a show. Uh, I did have my own television show, and I can tell you that there is a chance that professional wrestling is the only real thing on television. Um, but I don't think it's a work. I, th- I I think last year was one of those. Kind of like miracle runs, you know. Caulfield couldn't even buy a beer at Applebee's in the United States last year. You know, like (laughs) he's a child. He's a child. He could be my son, and it wouldn't even be weird. Um, I think he's going to be a very good player for a long time. Uh, Montreal, like uh, Scott was saying, there's a bunch of cool pieces there. Um, I just think the GM might have been a wrong fit. I don't know if the coach is the right fit missing you know your franchise goaltender Allen was heroic tonight for sure but I don't think he's a franchise or even a starting goalie in the NHL I mean he's had his chance to prove and and he was never able to do that not here and not in St. Louis um and missing Shea Weber uh, I mean uh, maybe he doesn't play hockey again but I mean I think I feel like they were expecting him to come back or play this year and I don't think that's going to happen and that's a massive loss I mean he's not fast he's never been fast but I mean he is the captain he is a leader uh he plays hard minutes uh you know has averaged 20 to 25 minutes uh on every team that he's been on including team Canada and uh that's I mean you just you can't replace a guy like that yeah it it was a huge loss and it's one of those things where We've tried to give like Bergevin and that management group some level of leeway in terms of like sure. the, the price loss, especially was probably unexpected, even though they, he, they knew he was going to have off season surgery, but the Weber loss, even if it was unexpected Edmund, that he Edmund would retire too, now. Right? Oh yeah. Edmondson definitely is a huge one as well, but the Weber one, as much as it might've been unexpected that he was going to retire now, they had to know 
that it was coming, right? And they didn't really do anything to replace him. Like you heard, I think it was like Brennan Gallagher in the offseason talked about like Shea Weber just to get ready for a game had to do like over an hour worth of like loosening up just to be able to play. And it's like, okay, this, this guy's not going to be able to do this forever, even though he's got the pain tolerance of like a Kodiak. Like he's just eventually your body quits on you. You know, it, the way that you play through things like that. But that's actually like one of the things that was funny about this game. You know, the last few years, you could say like there could be some intensity between these two teams over the whole like Subban Weber trade. But now both of them are gone and we get a game out of nowhere that's super intense. You know, the Predators come out really physical and we're just like straight up bullying the Canadians. And it took the Canadians like a full period to be like, hey, we should uh, we should push back a little bit. But that second period was one of the more entertaining periods the Canadians have played this year. It My favorite part of this entire thing is one, because Bezetta getting into a fight in this game was like the most predictable thing that could have happened after the first period. But it was uh, Cunnan running over Yol Armia and then just Brett Kulak kind of aw shucksing his way into the frame and taking off his gloves and then just rocketing an uppercut at him. And I'm like, what, what, where did this come from? Like, you play each other twice a year and everyone's like, soup. it happened in the first game too. There was like a line brawl in the first game in Montreal and it's, where and why is this happening right now? Like, I'm not against it. A little passion's nice to see from a team that, kind of looked listless, but it was, it, I mean, Kulak got the goal, got in a fight. He had a hell of a game there. And I was just happy to see some intensity from a team. At least they haven't given up on their teammates. Even if the season's kind of a loss here, they're going to stand up for each other. And that's, that's the kind of thing you want to see is there is at least some silver lining and that guys are trying right now, even if the results aren't there. And I guess credit to the predators as well for being like a team full of spitfires, right? Like, not a team typically over the last several years that you would associate with being that physical. They were under like the Barry Trotz predators, but they kind of went more into like the finesse route over the last few years, but uh, they've been really physical. Some of the guys in the bottom six there and some of the younger guys really bringing it. Yeah. I mean, last year uh, in March, I mean, literally like everyone wants to point to Pecorino getting hurt and Saros stepping in. And from March on, I think he had the best uh, save percentage and goals against average in the entire NHL, which I don't think a lot of people realized. Um, but for me, the turning point was when he put and this, I mean, this is going to sound made up. <laughs> I mean, but I don't think it is. Colton Sessions. Yakov Trenin and Olivier and then Janot as the herd line, that line changed everything for this team last year. They, they would start a lot of games. They, they've started a ton of games this year. Uh, he does roll four lines. Like they're not paying 20 minutes, but they're an important part of what this team does. And that, that line would get on the ice. And it was like the team couldn't get the puck. They would cycle it down low. They bang in the guys all of them are tough. They're all big bodies. Even Colin Sitchens is a pretty, pretty big guy. But Trennan is massive. He's been my my favorite hockey player since he uh, decided chose a fight with Zdeno Charles and, and buckled him and almost knocked him unconscious. He's been my favorite player since then. Uh, Taylor Janot has been unbelievable. He even was playing on the top line and 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 uh, has some real scoring touch and, and some real skating ability. And for a guy that size, that's absolutely terrifying for any other team. So. Heinz is, I mean, they've done a really good job here of getting 
all kinds of different personnel and, and they play their roles. And uh, there was a lot of pushback when Hines came in here saying like he was terrible in New Jersey, but you know, I, I you know, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I was working at the athletic at the time and I, I did some research on him. I mean, he's won. The only place he's ever lost was New Jersey. You know, he, he's, he's a winner. He's a winner. He's a good coach. I believe that. And I think it's starting to really shine through this year. Um, they're able to, you know, actually have a training camp implemented system. All the players are used to him now, know what their role is and they all play it to a T. Um, I like the mix of finesse and physicality here. Yeah. And friend of the show, Rachel Dory has been hardcore in John Hines's camp since uh, she worked with him in New Jersey and said like what was going on there was not on Heinz, so I think he's gone a long way towards proving that with his time with the Predators. Uh, this uh, this Canadian season is is funny, but uh, I think we we gotta take advantage of Eric being here and talk a little bit about wrestling here. I gotta ask you, Eric. Just this is totally off the wall question, but why is it that Canada is so well well represented in professional wrestling? Is it just like something in the water here. Like, it seems like we just have a lot of top end guys relative yeah, to like I, the I, actual number of wrestlers that are really well known. It is a question that I get a ton. And I mean, the honest truth is I, I don't understand it. I mean, the reality is, is more people live in the state of California than live in the entire country of Canada. Uh, and, and, you know, Canada just churns out these, these, you know, really good wrestlers. Uh, I'm not putting myself in that, that boat. I, I've we'll do it, it for, for you. We'll do it for you. I, I, I'm fine <laughs> at it. You know I mean? I'm fine at it. But I mean, like Brett and Owen, you mean like, I mean, the hearts, you know, everyone knows that, uh, you know, the, the list is, is huge. Natty, TJ Wilson, you know, Davy Boy Jr., uh, Bobby Roode, a very good friend of mine, is, is one of the most talented guys in the entire world. And, you know, and it's it's a it's a weird thing. And, and I don't know. It's impossible to put your finger on the reality is the amount of people that live in Canada, the ratio of people act, actively working on television that are Canadian right now. Uh, is really high and it's always been that way. I wonder if it's just like, that's an indoor sport that people are like, let's get out of the winter and go inside. (laughs) And it's a combination of like, it's like that. And it's like the almost hockey culture, right? Like the big physical sport. Right. So there's guys that kind of transition to that willing to take the abuse. Right. Cause like you mentioned about like people saying like wrestling's fake and like, listen, it's written. Sure but the injuries aren't fake. (laughs) There's only so much you can do about getting hit in the head with a steel chair. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I people want to use the word fake and and I get that that comes from a position of ignorance. Magic is fake. You know, when David Copperfield makes the statue of Liberty disappear, it didn't happen. It's a trick predetermined. Yes. Written, you know, it's not a fight. You know, it's a television show. I'm playing a character on TV. I'm obviously not that person right now and making it way easier for us to communicate uh, and have a civil conversation about uh, the predators and your terrible Montreal Canadians. But It ain't wrong. <laughs> the truth is, is, is <laughs> the, the truth is, 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 is what you're seeing is happening in real time. It's live. You know, uh, yeah, I, I've done theater. Uh, I, I've done improv Olympics. I, I've done some acting. I've done monologues and TV shows. Uh, I hosted a, a fishing show, which is hilarious. Um, 
it, what you see on television is happening in real time. It's not practice. It's not rehearsed because it's too dangerous. It, it's happening on the fly. A lot of it, uh, some of the things are, are preconceived and, and, you know, talked about beforehand, but the reality is when you get really good at it and you get experienced at it, it's reacting to, to what the audience is reacting to. And you might have a really cool idea or what you think is a cool idea, and then you start doing it and the, and the crowd is silent and like, well, I guess we better do something else. So I can say that the last, uh, up until about six months ago, wrestling in front of no one was the most brutal time to be a professional wrestler. Uh, the schedule was very easy. You know, we, we were, we were only taping the television show. There was no live shows anywhere. Um, for us at impact, we were shooting the shows all here in Nashville. So I got to sleep in my own bed. This is the least amount I've been on a plane in probably probably 17 or 18 years. Uh, and the big thing I, and when I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the, the Preds players and some of the Titans guys, and what blows their minds is, is there is no off season. I haven't had an off season. I mean, the closest thing to an off season is when I tore my ACL in March. So I got six months off to, <laughs> to rehab my, my ACL. Off season. I, yeah. yeah. That was, oh, what, what, a, my, my what a vacation, season. right? <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, the first couple of weeks on Oxycontin eating Taco Bell from my couch was pretty excellent, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> past that, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, advise anybody to tear your ACL. It stinks. Yeah. I, I've heard it's not very nice. Uh, <laughs> we had a couple of comments in, on the YouTube chat asking uh, where you're wrestling. You're mostly with impact, but I think you're going on a European tour soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly with impact uh, actually just signed to do a, a date in Toronto on uh, December 23rd. There's a small promotion there that a buddy of mine runs and they, they run really cool shows, lively shows. And they're having it at Ryerson university. Uh, if anyone from Toronto is listening to the show, it's called Greek town wrestling. It will be a really cool show. Uh, I'll be there. I do very few of those uh, now because uh, I don't, I don't, I don't need to. And, I don't have to. So I pick and choose. And that's one of the ones I choose to do. We got working on a European tour. And as long as COVID holds off and the new variant doesn't, you know, stick us all back inside again, which uh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. And, uh, but yeah, I'm hoping to go over there for two or three weeks. Love it over there. Uh, haven't been over there for six or seven years. So the buzz is cool, but yeah, I, I wrestle predominantly for, for impact wrestling. It's on, on access TV and I know it airs in Canada, but I have no idea where. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure where it airs, but I, I try to catch as much I as I can know. for for just supporting you. You know, like honestly, I appreciate it. it. It's just like it's cool to have somebody who's not only in like I grew up watching wrestling as well as hockey, right? So it's cool to have some like cross, uh, what would you call it? not cross promotion, but like some. I don't know. I don't yeah, have the word, but you, you know what I'm trying to talk there, about. There's a there's a lot of of, of crossover between wrestling and. and uh, and, and, uh, and hockey. Like, I mean, the reality is, is like, I get to go to Preds games because the, you know, the head of player personnel, uh, for the Predators is a massive wrestling fan. Uh, Austin Watson was a pretty big wrestling fan. Um, Mike Fisher was a huge fan of my fishing show. Cause he's like an outdoors guy. And like, he sent me this message on Twitter. He's like, Hey, is this Eric young? I was like, uh, is this Mike Fisher? <laughs> and he goes, Oh my God. He's like freaking out. Me and my wife watch your show. And I was like, like you and Carrie Underwood, you mean watch my television <laughs> show? It, I mean, I'm just a short fat hillbilly from Florence, Ontario. You mean, so it's, it's pretty crazy for me to be in a position like that and uh, pretty good buddies with him still. Uh, we, we have uh, lunch and dinner several times a year. I do his, he does like a charity of course, he does a, a clay pigeon shoot. I don't know. It's the only time of year I have a gun in my hands, but it's a good time. Uh, just a bunch of 
a bunch of local people raising money for a good cause and, and shooting inanimate objects out of the sky. But it's uh, yeah, there, there's a huge crossover between wrestling and hockey, a massive one. I mean, the, you know, even like the guys that aren't fans, like uh, I, I'm pretty good buddies with with Yossi and Forsberg and those guys. And they they respect it. I mean, they don't know anything about it, but but I, I think they think it's cool. I was asked actually by Scott Nickel, the new assistant GM, to speak at the prospects camp when Ellis and and jones were just drafted here and like i know everything about them and i'm freaking out they're children you mean and i'm up there i'm at the time i was world champion and i'm you know work hard and you know and this that and the other but it was for me it was it was super cool and like my friends from canada i did uh i led the preds in the singing of the national anthem the year they beat chicago in the play in the playoffs um, and they did that because, I mean, half of the arena would be Chicago. And I'm sure you guys see in the Madhouse and Madison, they all sing the national anthem. So they were trying to figure out a way to not allow them to do that. Uh, just singing over the, the the singer anyways. So they had local celebrities uh, lead the crowd in the singing of the national anthem. So I just stood at Sunrise during game, uh, I think it was game three of the NHL playoffs. And like guys I haven't heard from, I went to school with in 20 years. They're like, man, I can't believe it. Like I've wrestled all over the world. I've been on TV for 16 years. I've been world champion twice. Like now I'm hearing from them because I was standing on the ice during the Stanley Cup playoffs <laughs> pretending to sing the national anthem. And if you can't tell, I'm not much of a singer. My voice is it's not made for that. Oh, man. I mean, you were mentioned about like the guys not realizing that you didn't have an off season. I don't think many people realize that the schedule that you guys keep is not, insane yeah. like it's not it's even nuts. i think even a lot of people who grew up with just like the main two of the 90s right like in our generation between like nitro and raw being like the dominating monday people think that it's like monday and thursday and then the uh, the, the uh, pay-per-view event but it's like every day and the physical yeah. toll that that must take on your body like on a day-to-day -day basis how much pain do you wake up in I'm a, I'm pretty good actually. I think that I'm rare. Like I, I'm not super tall. I'm only about five eleven, six feet, and I, I'm I'm pretty thick. And I, I've always been a very durable person. The reality is, is until March, I, I had never missed a show in twenty four plus years of doing it. Never missed a show from from injury. Uh, never had a surgery. That was my first one. I was really hoping to make it through my whole career. I don't know if that's a record. It, it's got to be pretty damn close, to be honest. Uh, um, the only other person I can think that I can't think of him being hurt is Jericho. Here we go again, Canadian, something in the blood. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, it, I don't know. It, yeah. It's it, 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 I, I'm lucky, like for sure. I mean, I'm 41. I've been doing it since I was, you know, just out of high school. I started when I was 17, started doing it full time in 2004 and haven't had an off season and, and now over 25 years. So my off season included me, talking on television i still had to like hobble down to the ring and climb up in the ring but no matches for six months but uh, i just had my first one back um about a month ago so yeah it's uh gotta wear a brace now but hopefully i can get rid of that pretty soon i hate it well the brace is fashionable though right everybody thinks of like steve austin back in the steve late austin 90s, made it fashionable for sure yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and i mean it's mine's like made of kevlar and it's like it looks like it weighs 10 pounds. It might weigh two pounds. It's pretty comfortable. <laughs> Once I'm out there, I don't really notice it, but uh, I, I'm ready to take it off. That's for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. If if we had to like put you on the spot and have you choose like your favorite storyline that uh, not even that you've been a part of, but your favorite storyline yeah. in wrestling that you've been around, what would it be? 
Uh, my favorite, uh, I mean, for me personally right now is, is the stuff I'm doing uh, at Impact. It's uh, part of that is, is having, you know, some control and some say I'm very experienced. I've been around a long time uh, and they kind of let me pick and choose what I say, not, you know, if I win and, you know, what I do, you know, show to show, but they definitely listen to me and my input and what I think we should do. But the whole thing with uh, Violent by Design is the name of the group. I actually uh, last year was able to get the entire herd line uh, violent by design t-shirts and they all wore them during one of the games under their, their, uh, their equipment. And they took pictures nice. uh, at the start of the game of all four of them, uh, Olivier, uh, Jeannot, Trennan and Sessions all wearing the, the, the shirts that I sent them. They probably just threw them in the garbage, but it doesn't matter. I've got the picture and it'll last forever. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's my favorite stuff as far as storylines, uh, you know, like the rock you know, going from, you know, kind of this like cheesy baby face to this kind of forgotten guy in the nation of domination to being this massive star. He's the most recognizable human being on earth, you know, yeah. and there was a time where me and him had the same occupation. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool. And for me, the Shawn Michaels boyhood dream, WrestleMania 12, that to me is the whole storytelling of building him to that point. And then him and Brett was, you know, arguably the, the most over and, and, and biggest fan favorite other than maybe Hulk Hogan that the WWE had ever had. And they did a very good job of building him and making him a credible champion. Um, but WrestleMania 12, the Iron Man match, I don't know. It, the whole thing was just a masterpiece and it was almost two years in the making, you know, and that, that kind of long storytelling doesn't happen a lot anymore in wrestling, which kind of bums me out, but people don't have the attention spans for it every more, man. They want results and they want them now. Yeah. I hear that. Scott, you had something? I, I do. And this is a question that I'm sure I'm going to get a safety talking to. I live in Buffalo, New York. So mm -hmm. home of Bill's Mafia, who have a oh, penchant yeah. for jumping through tables at football games. Yeah, I'm going to my first game in January, and I'm going to be hanging out with people who I think are going to, and because I'm definitely want to impress these people. If I'm going to go through a table, do you have any sort of advice for someone who's never done this before? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the truth is, is if you're going to do it, don't think about it, just do it, man. And don't try to, don't try to put your legs down or your arms down. Let just try to let your back hit the table. It sounds nuts. I'm going to sound like a caveman right now, but <laughs> Your back, the human body can take way more punishment than anyone wants to admit, especially your back, you know, uh, tuck your chin into your chest, hold your neck tight. Do not try to put your arms and your legs down. That's when you'll get hurt. If you just let yourself go and fall through it, the table will slow you down. Your body will not hit the floor as fast as it should. I know that sounds Neanderthalic too, but it is the truth. It's science. You know, just let the, let the, let the table do the work and enjoy yourself. I think would be I can hear my girlfriend advice. just screaming upstairs watching yeah. this going, well, you're going to do what at the football game right now? <laughs> so I think, oh, the man. Man, I, I think it'll, it'll probably surprise you. Just don't put your arms and your, your hand, your feet down, just go backwards and let your back take the fall or go forward. I mean, you go for under your stomach too. There's more risk doing that way. There's metal pieces on it and whatnot. I, I'm not condoning this. I don't, you know, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your girlfriend coming after me, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, I was a Bills fan my whole life. They lost three Super Bowls. I cried. I, I stopped watching football for two or three years and, and actually in a, a really, I still played the games, the Madden game and uh, 
I said, well, I'm going to start watching football again, but I got to pick a new team. And I picked the Tennessee Titans because of Eddie George and Steve McNair and Frank Wycheck. And then you fast forward to 2004, I moved to the city of Nashville through happenstance. And this is my home still. And I'll live here until I retire from wrestling. And then me and my wife are going to live in an RV and you'll never see me again. <laughs> Amazing. All right. We're going to yeah. finish it up with a, a question from the, the uh, viewers here. If you want to have a question answered on the show, you can always ask in the stream chat on YouTube, but the best place to ask is actually the SDPN discord, which you can find a link or an invite to on SDPN.ca. We have a game over channel and a, game over questions channel if you put a question in there we will see it the moderators will text it to me personally during the show to make sure i answer it or at least i'm aware of it if i don't answer it either i forgot or it was a bad question so make of that what you will but uh, someone in the stream chat asked is it worth letting dominique ducharme finish out the season if he's not going to play the kids or should they just fire him and let luke richards close up the season I wonder if that would make the Francophone media go absolutely nuts because they are going to have a Francophone or uh, French speaker, French English speaker uh, in as GM eventually. But right now, Jeff Gorton is the face of the organization and he's an Anglophone. But you still have Dominique Ducharme answering questions every day. The coach is much more forward facing than the GM and you do have to have some semblance of communication with the fan base, which is like 80 plus percent Francophone. I don't think it would be a bad idea on a hockey level to get the kids playing more and Luke Richardson might play them more, but I don't know if it's worth it for the organization just because of the blowback. My first thought was whoever the GM is and after Gordon gets settled in here is that they go, look, the season's basically in the toilet anyways. We need to see how what these kids can do here. And your directive is you put them in the position to succeed. Like watching tonight, Matthias Norlinder didn't play in three on three overtime and that's his strength. You had Cole Caulfield not playing that five on three. They either go, look, you're going to do this or then maybe that whole we're going to let him ride out through the season thing changes very quickly. So I, I think they this has to be a thing where now Ducharme has to coach for his job to prove that he can adapt and play these guys. Uh, if it doesn't get the best out of him, it just makes their decision at the end of the season that much easier. It's not going to be a long review. They're going to go, well, we asked you to do this and you didn't. So uh, now we're on to whatever's next. So I don't think they'll do it mid-season unless something truly drastically terrible happens. But this is Ducharme's chance to prove that I can adapt and coach these young guys and get the best out of them still. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people who assume that Ducharme is like a hundred percent fired at the end of the season. I don't know if that's true. And he has a lot of racetrack left to prove that he's got something right. And if he's given the directive to play the kids, like you said, Scott, and he doesn't, of course that that's the end for him, right? Like if you're not yeah. going to listen, you're out, especially because like a new GM almost always wants to bring in their own guy. But if he can listen and, and play the kids more and they get to see some solid development time in the national hockey league, he might actually end up having a job next year. It might not even be with the Canadians, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is that there's a process. Okay, cool. Um, if there's not, and it's just kind of rudderless crap, uh, then okay, it is what it is. But if you can show a process that, hey, 
It's like when Nick Suzuki was under Claude Julien, he played on the fourth line for a little bit. And then by the end of the season, he's their second line center and first line power play center there. If you can show a process to it, I think they're going to be a lot more lenient with that. But I think a lot of fans are think that he doesn't have that process right now because we haven't seen it this year. But things can change, especially when you know your job is is on the line there going forward. I, I think this should bring out whatever creativity and everything he has in his repertoire. Cause it's not like he's a bad coach for young players. He coached in Halifax for how long and you know, the opportunities there, it's just a matter of, can he do it at the NHL level now? I mean, for argument's sake, uh, Cole Caulfield, 13 minutes tonight, he was possibly the Canyon's best offensive forward tonight. Uh, Matias Norlander, eight minutes, 58 seconds. So not great. Not great. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Uh, but before we go, uh, first, Scott and then Eric, tell everyone where they can find you. I know Eric already has, but we'll repeat it anyway, just in case anybody's tuning in at the end. Uh, so if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Scott Matla all the way across. I make gifts. Please stop yelling at me. That's all I do. Uh, I co-host the Locked On Canadians podcast with the best co-host I could ever ask for, Laura Saba, the active stick. And I cover the Laval Rocket and anything Canadians for Habs Eyes on the Prize at SB Nation. Uh, check everything out there. I am all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm uh, the Eric Young, uh, the Eric Young IG uh, on Instagram. Um, I hate social media, but it's an amazing tool. So I will continue to use them. It's a dark, terrible place. People wish cancer on me every day. Um, That's the price of having 600,000 plus social media followers. Uh, FTN, FTN bets, uh, me and Chris Meany hosted this really cool uh, hockey gambling centric show called Dangle Bet Selly. Uh, You can watch it on my Twitter. You can watch it on YouTube. And, uh, you know, like, I know you guys hear this all the time, but if you do watch it and you like it or you don't like it, whatever, rate, review, subscribe. This is how we get paid and people know that people are watching the show and algorithms and a bunch of other smart stuff that I'm supposed to say. So, yeah, uh, this was a fun show, guys. Really fun. Plus the Predators won. So it's uh, I'm in a very good mood. (laughs) And I guess I should be a good YouTuber and uh, repeat what Eric just said. And if you like this show, you better comment and subscribe and like it and, you know, listen to us as a podcast as well because we're everywhere you can find a podcast spotify apple music google yeah hit all those subscribe buttons and even if you're not listening if you've already watched the youtube you can still listen to the podcast and just put it on mute give us the numbers boost us up fake it you don't even i mean just just subscribe you don't even have to listen to it i don't see it right away everything everything helps the algorithm so help us out if you love us tell your friends Tell your five best friends about Game Over Montreal. We're trying to grow this shit. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for have, coming on the show, guys. Had an absolute blast with you. It was fun to talk wrestling instead of hockey for a bit. Nice to change it up a little bit. Everyone go out there. Follow Scott. Follow Eric. Check out Impact Wrestling. Habs eyes on the prize and Locked on Canadians.